Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 30, as always, I'm joined by Dom. How's it going, Dom? Hey, what's up? Uh, Jordan? Beyond! And the special guest this week, Easy Ally's own, Michael Huber. How's it going, Huber? Hello, doing great. Doing doing great. Pleasure to Happy have to you. Happy to be here. Thank yeah. you for inviting me. No problem. Thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. Um, so, like I said, the way we started the podcast, we're going to be talking about what we've been playing. And uh, yeah, I got quite a bit on the list. Um, some odd games i guess so um yesterday or two days ago was my birthday and oh happy uh, birthday thank you um and i uh, actually ended up picking up the uh, bioshock the collection nice um, and i haven't played the first second or bioshock infinite in quite a while so i really wanted to get back into it you know the uh the scaling of the graphics for the remaster aren't too crazy but still i just wanted to get back into that game i'm about two and a half hours in uh i'm near getting into neptune's bounty i just got the um the telekinetic um, power. I, I forgot the name of it. Um, but yeah, the game looks just as beautiful as always. Uh, the atmosphere in that game. People always talk about Bioshock having like one of the greatest like atmospheres of any video game ever, and it still holds up. Um, the cool thing about remasters, I think, with games that old is like you always remember how a game looks, but when you go back and play it, it definitely doesn't hold up well. And yeah. this mm-hmm. looks like how I remember Bioshock looking, so that's cool. Um, kind of holds up in your brain a little bit. Um, had a fun time with that. I played two um, PC games, two indie games that came out. Um, Seasons After Fall, which I don't know if you, either of you guys or any of you guys are familiar with. Um, it's a very like artsy, adventure, 2D platformer game. Um, very simple mechanics, nothing too crazy. Uh, it's a very beautiful art style. It's like painting, like um, like uh, like oil oil painting kind of. Uh, okay. You're you're a fox, and it's like a very basic story. There's nothing too crazy about it. You're going around trying to find out uh, find the guardians of each season and stuff like that. Um, it's not going to win game of the year by any means or anything, but it's just like a nice experience. I like those type of games to play every once in a while. They're just, the music's very great, you know, um, the environment's very pretty. And like I said, the game's very pretty. It looks like an, like an art piece, you know, it looks like an art book you get for a video game. So, um, Mm. the other game I played was the final station. Are any of you guys familiar with that game? Yes. Final station. Final station is such a good game. Um, on their own website, they pitch it as a train simulator slash zombie shooter. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a great game. It's like a it's like a retro style art, sixteen bit or eight bit. I'm always bad at that, so I, I'm pretty sure sixteen bit. Um, and uh, it's resource management. Like you get you pick up bullets and stuff. And uh, like they they say for their game, the uh, parts of the game you're in a train and you have uh, passengers, and you want to keep them alive. So they're either running out of food, like they're hungry, or they're running out of health. And you have uh, um, basically your med kits that you have for yourself to heal throughout the game are the same med kits you have to use for them. So it's all about resource management. And there's little mini games on the actual train to kind of keep it going, whether it's like the thermometer or like the gauges for the train. And um, the story's told in a very like obscure way. Like there's little notes you find here and there. You get some dialogue options with characters where you kind of flesh out the story more and more. Um, have you played it all, Huber? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, uh, so, Brandon Jones is like review. I think he's doing a review. So I was just over at his place, and we were we were fooling around with it. That game is so cool. Like I I don't want to get into like spoiling it, but you you run into zombies and you think okay it's just another zombie game. But the mm-hmm. way that zombies came about in that world is really interesting. I don't want to yeah. spoil it for anybody. But that's um, yeah totally. Yeah, and, uh, just the resource management, like bullets being rare and kind of learning from your mistakes and having to maybe go back and and do a situation differently. <laughs> the next time around 
Exactly. And uh, that's the cool thing, too, is like, so when I first played this game, I had no context for it. I didn't know what was going on in this game. And I jumped in, and I thought that it was um, procedurally generated. Like I said, I went in blind. I had no idea what this game was. But it's actually, you know, a, a very uh, linear story. And uh, you have checkpoints throughout certain uh, levels, I think is they, they're called. Like, the trains are levels, and then the actual cities are levels. Um, the variation in environments is crazy because as the game progresses, you get into, like, worse and worse cities. Like, more, they're more beaten down. The zombies have infested that city a little bit more. Um, but then you like run into cities where it's perfectly fine and you know they have like barriers up and people are just living normal lives um, and there's really cool pieces in the game where all this stuff's going on but you find li like really neat um, independent stories among themselves of like uh, in one of the in one of the cities there's like a giant uh, complex and this one lady has a note where she's talking about how she thinks that the the manager of the apartment complex is like a peeping Tom and then <laughs> And obviously it's a zombie apocalypse, so you find her dead body, obviously. But uh, you go upstairs, and you go to, like, where the manager's house was, and you see, like, he has, like, cameras set up in his house. And, oh. like, he has a note that says, like, I think she finally caught me or something. So it's just, like, <laughs> these weird little, like, narratives inside the game. Uh, but it's phenomenal. It's really cool. Um, outside of Inside, I think it's, like, one of the best independent experiences I've had all year. Um, I haven't played The Witness, unfortunately, but like, The Final Station is a really great game. Um, we got a review code for PC, but I actually ended up buying it myself on Xbox One for the achievements. Um, it's a, just a fantastic time. Um, I, what about you guys? What have you guys been playing and watching? So, you guys are going to be pretty surprised with me here. Hubert, I haven't played video games in probably five weeks, maybe. Um, oh, we're taking a little break. I like it. I like been, it. Been watching a bunch of anime. Nice. Actually, I uh, I took your recommendation, sir, and started watching Vikings. Yes. So yeah, I'm on. Uh, yes. In the middle of season two, and that show is freaking awesome. Guys. Oh my god! Yes. The HBO one. Uh, History. History Channel. Channel. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Actually, speaking of, uh, have you seen the uncut versions, Huber? No. Yeah. So like, of course, History Channel can't show like naked women and like yeah. super hardcore violence. So. Um, I found out there was like an uncut version with all that stuff in it. It's weird because France Dang. in France they air the uncut version. Yeah, and it's made by History Channel, so that doesn't really make sense. Mm, but, uh, mm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, season two of that show, super cool. Um, it only gets watching, better. Hell yeah! Uh, finished watching Bakano, the anime, and uh, started Psychopaths, which is really cool. It's like. Kind of like a Minority Report with like a dash of Suicide Squad. Cool. Um, I want so, to get into that one. Yeah, I would recommend it for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I like I said, been a while since I played games, but today or yesterday I actually turned on my PS3 and hopped back into Persona 3. Oh. Um, play that for a couple <laughs> hours. About 75 hours into that one. I've oh my one god, that Tartarus? Left. Yeah, so I'm Ridiculous. like... Ridiculous. I'm inching ever closer to the ending. Um, nice. That, and uh, read some more Berserk manga. That is a uh, really cool manga. Um, are you a fan, Heber? Oh, yeah. Berserk. Okay. Disturbing. Yeah, so I just finished the original 97 anime series, and I was like, okay, I gotta get, I gotta get the full story here. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Started reading that, and I'm on... I just finished the first chapter of The Golden Age, so that's where I'm at there. Nice. So, yeah. Enjoying Berserk, man. Berserk. Have is... you watched the uh, the movies? No, the but Golden I have Age them downloaded. Movies? 
Okay, I cool. Download it, so yeah. After you read it, you'll go back and watch it. Right. Yeah, I wanted cool. to since like the '97 series is essentially about the Golden Age, and then I wanted to get the manga adaptation or the mm-hmm. original manga version first before I watched the movie. So, Perfect. yeah, that uh, it's a uh, it's some fucked up shit, man. Like, there's, <laughs> like ultra violence, ultra sex. Like, the very first panel of the manga is uh, is him having sex with a demon and then blowing her head off. So it's Whoa. pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. So yeah, but intense. Uh, it's intense. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. It's a really cool series. That's a good list. Um <laughs> <laughs> I actually did play a couple of games this week, so I got back into Dragon's Dogma again. Nice. It's getting better. It's getting better the farther I go along in it. Um Are you playing the uh the PC one or Yeah. Yeah, nice. on PC. It was on sale. Um like fifteen or twenty dollars. Um uh, perfect back, yeah. That's a good version. That's like the best version for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I heard it had, like, uh, on Xbox 360 and PS3, it had, like, some performance issues here mm-hmm, and there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's not the case anymore. But, yeah, fun game still. We've talked about it before, so I won't dwell on it. Um, also, I uh, picked up the Lego Force Awakens on the Vita. Like, I got the actual Vita Hell version. yeah. Shout out. Which apparently is <laughs> gimped. Yeah. Apparently, the Vita version is uh, much smaller compared to, like, the full console one. But that was kind of all right with me. I mean, there's, like, less characters and a couple less levels, I guess, but huh. that was totally fine with me. It was, like, it was only $30 instead of 60 so. Yeah, it's definitely worth it then, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a great, it's a great, good game to have on the Vita, to have portable. Um, Jolly. You know I'm about that. Um, there's your AAA Vita game, Dom. Yeah, exactly. Your, your AAA console <laughs> experience. And then, uh, Jordan, you're freaking me out because I do have Persona 4 Golden in the mail right now. Yes. I don't know. I never played any of these games. Come to the dark side. Oh my I god. Basically, never played a JRPG. Um, That's woo, insane. Woo. I'm really this guy, like, oh, it's crazy. I don't know. You have never played a JRPG, and you recently just got into indie games. Like, yeah, he's never played indie games, Huber. Dude, it doesn't oh, yeah. even matter. Better late than never. Persona True. 4 exactly. Golden. Get hyped. <laughs> Get yeah. so hyped. Like everyone I talk to, it's like you got you have a you have to play this game. And I'm like, yes. I don't know, it looks kinda weird to me. I don't think I get it. There's like this whole social thing. I don't know if I'm gonna be in the but so many people have just been overwhelmingly praising it. I'm like, I just have to try it, I guess. So we'll see. The social thing is kinda like Mass Effect, how you're like developing relationships and I don't think you can like fuck anybody in persona, but you can like <laughs> date them at least, you know, because like Jesus. you're building relationships, but it's it's not like creepy or anything is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. You freak me out when you say you put in uh, 75 hours into three. Well, yeah, I don't know what and I'm, I'm not even done game. yet. So <laughs> yeah, it's a time sink for sure. Get for sure. settle in, settle in. <laughs> Huber, what have you been playing? Uh, reviewing uh, Destiny. So I've been hopping back into that. Playing. Oh, that. cool. The new uh, expansion came out what two days ago? <clears throat> yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. Yep. Is it time for me to get back into it? Um. It's a little too early for me to tell. Okay. Uh, it definitely does not have the impact that Taken King did. Okay. Uh, Taken Ooh. King came out and just yeah. morphed that game into what everyone wanted it to be in the first place. Yeah. Uh, just with all the quests and everything. But I'm enjoying it. Uh, there, there's The new environments are cool. Uh, it just seems like there's not as much as there was in Taken King. I think there's only like one new strike. And then they kind of remixed like two older ones. Yeah. Uh, the story yeah. Yeah. yeah the story is over in a flash you could beat it on like your lunch break it's so short <laughs> um, 
But the biggest thing is that whereas even kind of with Taken King and obviously Vanilla Destiny, it became about just grinding strikes over and over and over and over and over. And this feels so far, at least in the first couple days, like you're going out and doing quests rather than strikes. And that's kind of the best way to progress and raise your light and all that. So I really like that. Um, been playing Dead Rising Remaster. Ooh, hell yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I love Dead Rising. Dead Rising was the reason I bought a uh, Xbox 360 back in the day. Cool. Uh, just to play that game. And I always loved one more than two. Uh, and hadn't played it in who knows how long. So I've just been going back and playing that. The load times are super fast compared to the 360 version. Yeah, I remember So that's like... The nicest thing is, like, all those transitions into new environments is just really fast. Um, and then shows, I just finished Mr. Robot Season 2. Yes. I need to watch uh, that show. Oh, which boy. seems... I really wish we could talk about that, but I am not going <laughs> to say yeah. shit. The only thing I'll say is Season 2 seems to be very contentious on the internet. Yeah. A lot of hate flying yeah. around. Uh, I think it's just because season one was so out of nowhere and so legendary right? that uh, expectations may have been a little That's high. crazy. That's exactly how I feel about uh, True Detective. I think True Detective was the same way. Mm-hmm. Season yeah, one but was True Detective, so great. Yeah. True Detective yeah. 2 is, is close to garbage. Yeah. Like, so, Mr. Robot season 2 is excellent. It's I, very okay, strong. It. It's probably just not quite as strong as the first one. I got you. I got you. Um, Dead Rising is actually the game that got... I love achievements. Uh, I'm not, mm-hmm. like, crazy about them, but I like getting them. Dead Rising yeah. was the reason I got into achievements. My friend was playing Dead Rising. I hadn't picked it up yet. And he was telling me about the achievement to kill everybody that equals the population of Willingham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, that's 3, a thing? something. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Did you pick up the triple pack, or did you just pick up Dead Rising Triple pack. Yep. Yeah. Triple pack, but... Um... I don't know if I'll get to off the record the kind of like side mm. filler yeah. thing. It was cool, but you know the whole thing feels like a anime filler arc to me. So <laughs> yeah, I'll probably just play play one and two. Um, I don't know when I'll get to two, but I'm very close to finishing one. That's how I feel with the Bioshock collection. Is like I want to play through Bioshock, and then mm-hmm. I want to get to Minerva's Den, play that, and then yeah. um, I want to get the Bioshock Infinite DLC because I never got around to playing that. But like, oh, I don't really, I don't really. It's so good. Burial DLC is some of my favorite DLC. Yes. I, I really don't feel the need to go and play Bioshock two again or even mm-hmm. Infinite too much. Um, but like. I, yeah, I never got around to that Bioshock Infinite DLC, and Has, I avoided spoilers, knock on wood. I was just going to ask if it's been spoiled for you. Yes. There's oh, some, it's so there, good. There are spoilers to be had in those two yeah. episodes, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to comment on what you were saying earlier, Jared, about Bioshock and how it looked. I can remember getting that game when it came out, like, day one, booting it up. And I remember, like, the cutscene in the plane, and then you crash into yeah. the water. Uh-huh. Yeah. It looked so good yeah. that I remember the controller was, like, set down. I can remember just sitting in the water for, like, 40 seconds because mm. I thought it was still a cutscene. Wow. Uh-huh. When everything is on fire and, like, the lighthouse is there. Yeah. Just, like, that, one of the most memorable moments for me. That is one of the most well-crafted openings to a video mm-hmm. game. Like, once you get in the submarine, too, and you start going down and Andrew Ryan starts <sighs> talking to you over the thing and you're like, oh, I'm getting the feel of what this game's going to be. And, mm-hmm. Dude, that, uh, that game, game sets up just... so well. That game's a masterpiece, bro. Yeah, I normally don't like buying remasters, but I was like, I need to get Bioshock the collection. Like, it's just something I need to go back and play. So, um, have you finished those games? Have you beat yeah. all those? 
I beat all three of them. I just okay. never played Minerva's Den, which is a shame because like everyone plays Minerva's Den, and mm-hmm. then the Bioshock Infinite DLC. Um, you know, it happens a lot with video games. Is like I love the the base game so much, and then the DLC comes out, but there's something else already out that I'm deep into. Yeah. And a lot of times, I love open world RPGs and stuff, and you definitely don't want to detract from that because if you leave an open world RPG and you come back to it halfway through it, you oh. don't know what's going on. You don't know. Yeah. 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 So, uh, just bad timing, I think, most of the time. Um, and so, it's everything we've been playing. I think everybody had a had a jolly old week. Um, <laughs> so, the first news we're going to talk about is uh, over at GameSpot. Um, I believe this was uh, Tumor Hussein. He had an interview with um, uh, Yves Guillemot, the, the head guy over at Ubisoft. And they talked about the Vivendi takeover and um, just Ubisoft in general. But he had this uh, interesting couple of questions that he asked Yves. Uh, and I wanted to get to this and read it to you guys and talk about it a little bit so he asks uh this is the first year in a long time where we don't have an assassin's creed though we do have the Ezio collection that's me adding that in um why was now the right time to take it out of rotation uh and then eve uh responds uh what we have in development of the next assassin's creed was that we had an opportunity to take it to another level so we said we'll take it at, uh take all the time it takes to make the experience fantastic it was feasible because we have other games there's a huge potential in this game to revolutionize the ip so we said let's make sure we change our model so we have more time and that we can bring a back a better experience um and then there was a follow-up question he says uh, when you say let's give it the time it needs does that mean you haven't set a time for it to make its return most people are expecting it to be back next year is this the case or will it just be back when it's ready and then he states it will be back when it's ready that's when we feel that we have something there and then if the follow-up to that is so you're saying not necessarily 2017 and Eve states, yeah, it will be ready when it's ready. So this uh, began a lot of conjecture uh, with the community talking about, well, is Assassin's Creed Empire even going to you know, come out next year? Which that will be two years uh, straight that we don't have a new Assassin's Creed. Um, we have the Ezio collection, obviously, this year. I just want to hear you guys' take. Obviously, this is like speculation. Um, but it's weird to me. You know, Ubisoft is usually a company that like is very good at letting people like hint people to things and for him saying that you know gets asked straight away is it going to be 2017 he says it'll be ready when it's ready what do you guys think is this just like eve uh basically dodging like delays or stuff like that he doesn't want to give a specific date in case plans change down the line i like it especially since we've been in the season of delays it seems like where every <laughs> other game gets delayed i like that yeah. he just you know straight up said you know it's going to be ready when it's ready i'm not going to over promise or give you a date because i'm not really sure we're just making a game so i like it yeah. yeah, definitely taking a page out of uh, Blizzard's book with that one, you know? And it's yeah. it's why why put that out there when you can just say, you know, it's it's at least a year off anyway. Like, why, why would he commit to yeah. a release window? Exactly. Uh, there's really no point. It's, it's like a risk to do that. Uh-huh. So I personally think it will be out next year, but... Uh, this way, he they have time, and and you know when when it's for sure they can announce that, and they're probably waiting for some, you know, bigger release. Could be PSX for all we know. Could be E3 to announce that. Like I wouldn't be surprised. True. The Nintendo yeah. Direct for uh, the NX. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So yeah, I'm trying to think uh, what could replace Assassin's Creed as their fall game next year. Um, the uh, Wildlands is next spring, correct? Yes, and For Honor. Those are both in the spring. Like for Far, Far Cry. Cry. Yeah, they have they have three games in the in the spring. They have uh, For Honor. They have Wildlands, and now they have uh, Q1 uh, South Park. Oh yeah, because it got delayed. Yeah, so I'm thinking they're probably not going to do another Far Cry next year because 
we had Primal this year, and then two years ago we had uh, four, so it'd probably be like too close to annualization with that one. They're probably they're obviously trying to kind of get away from that. So um, I'm thinking maybe maybe what if we got a new Splinter Cell next year? That would be pretty cool. Um, that would be awesome. <laughs> there was Dylan Huber over here. There was actually Seriously? some, and this is all this is all rumor too. But there was like Neil Gaff thread a while back of uh, what's the name of the guy who played um, the lead character. In Splinter Cell, it's Sam Fisher. Well, yeah, but the guy who That's played it. Actual name. He uh, was. It's uh, Frick Starship Troopers guy. What's his name? Um, I can't remember it. I forget. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's fine. Either way, uh, he was actually spotted uh, at uh, at a Ubisoft like recording studio, and people mm. were like, "It was a weird rumor. It was a Neil Gaff thread. So you don't really know how much you know proof is in that." But they were talking about like, "Does this mean a new Splinter Cell?" So um, that is a possibility. Those are usually pretty solid leads, like the dude that uh, leaked Watch Dogs a while ago, um, Mads Mikkelsen with uh, hanging out with Kojima, and they're like matching up the hoodie that he's wearing <laughs> yeah. and stuff. It's like those actually kind of turn out to be true most of the time. Also, well, I remember Franklin was at Rockstar. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. But nothing ever really came That's of that. True. Exactly. Um, I think the the thing too with this is like. They've done such a good job at fixing Siege, Rainbow Six, that mm. this I'm excited for sh- their shooters moving forward. Cause, like the division was very lukewarm. I liked that game at launch, and then it progressively I kind of fell off on it. Uh, Siege obviously has gotten better the more it's been out. It's one of those games that like it's super multiplayer focused. I think it's only multiplayer, right? Or is there a single yeah. player component to Siege? You can play it's against like, like bots and stuff, challenges. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and that game is one of the few games that its multiplayer actually got better the longer it was out. A lot of times games don't have the audience to be around that long enough for them to fix it um but now it seems like that multiplayer audience is booming more than ever so i'm kind of excited splinter cell would be awesome um i I agree with you huber that i think it's like why why get people mad if you don't have to like if you don't Mm -hmm. meet that date next year just don't say anything and then plus it makes the reveal at at e3 or whenever they decide to reveal it that much grander um yeah I, i i think there's really nothing crazy about that i think he's just you know being yeah, safe. Yeah, because because they were already on schedule for every year with Assassin's Creed, and I think because of Unity, they you know they pumped the brakes and had a good long look and said, "Yo, maybe there is franchise fatigue. Maybe we should take time off." But the wheels were already so in motion that I think a lot of the groundwork on Empire was already done. Yeah. So unless yeah. they are fully scrapping that and like rebuilding it all then yeah i I cannot see it exactly later than next year it amazes me how many teams ubisoft has if you go and look at like their 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 company listing they have like ubisoft name a city in the world and they probably have one you know it's crazy so they have a lot of hands to work on that game um Mm -hmm. i think that's it for the ubisoft story uh the next story we're going to hop into here um comes by way of Engadget, but the actual story, the initial story was on USA Today. Um, and John Fingus writes, Microsoft's Project Scorpio games will run in native 4K. Um, in an interview with USA Today, uh, the company's Shannon Loftus, who is their uh, publishing general manager, uh, stated that all first-party games arriving in the Scorpio time frame will run in native 4K. You'll have at least a few games to show what your new TV can do. Um, so I thought this was interesting. So they're basically, uh, also in the interview, it states th- this is specifically for Microsoft published games. So, you know, first parties and second parties. Um, yeah, what do you guys think of this? Obviously, that she states she makes sure to stay in the Scorpio time frame. So it's, it's interesting to me that if there's games that are already scheduled to come out before the Scorpio, if they're going to implement that as well. Um, there's some games that can come out in the summer before Scorpio releases. Uh, 
Cuphead for one. Um, though I hope that game releases sometime Cuphead soon. Cuphead in 4K. Spring. Yeah. Oh those boy. Disney, those classic Disney graphics of 4K. Yes. Um, yeah. What do you guys think about this? Them doubling down and saying all of our first party games will run in 4K natively. What do you guys think about that? I'm down, dude. I'm so excited because. Um, you mentioned before the show that they went to developers and developers said, this is like, these are the specs that we need to get to 4k natively. And clearly that wasn't the case with Sony, uh, for the PS4 pro. So, um, I'm really glad to hear that, um, this is a real 4k gaming machine. Like this is the step. If I'm going to upgrade from my current Xbox one or PS4, I need it to be a full step forward and not a half step. And I feel like that's what this is. And that's, it gets me really excited, man. I'm I'm thinking about you know starting to save up and and get my shit together to get a Scorpio. So it's, That's it's true. definitely it's definitely a direct response to all the kind of confusion around PS4 Pro. Like yeah, yeah, for, you know some games will run in 4K, some are almost there, and sort of this and that. Upscale, and it's just real confusing yeah. to a lot of people. But this does almost like I think a direct response to all that kind of thing. Like no, our our first party games at least are period going to run natively in 4K, and that's it. Smart. Exactly. Yeah, especially with the uh, push they've been doing with PC, uh, it only makes sense to have your console match the PC uh, in terms of performance. So, man, I'm like, I'm still in shock by this. I'm like blown away that, you know, my mind can't even handle 4K yet. So. Well, an interesting thing you said recently is you were talking about, like, you can buy a 4K TV now, but the price for a 4K TV will be way better next year. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be weird to see how all of this timing works out with Sony versus Microsoft. Of Like, well, if you release a console where it's a little bit more viable for a consumer to get a 4K TV, does that benefit you? But then mm-hmm. it's going to be a little bit more expensive. No matter what, no matter if it's $500 or what the price point is for the Scorpio, it will be more expensive than the Pro. Just because yeah. a year from now, there will be a price drop on the Pro in some fashion, whether it's $50 or something. Um, but I think it's it's cool to let people know that you are all like you are all in uh, on 4K as a company. Like Microsoft saying, all of our our first party published games are going to be 4K natively. That means like, hey, we're giving you a reason. We're not saying it might be. We're not saying it will be. We're saying it definitively will be in native 4K if it's a first party game. Um, the interesting thing too, Huber, about the so the, you remember the Xbox Play Anywhere? I've, you've you've talked about it a little bit too in like Easy Allies podcast and stuff. Um, I remember hearing after that announcement that they were like, "Well, they're kind of going back on it, right? They're going kind of going back on that announcement." Um, I went and which talk, announcement? I'm sorry, uh, I didn't hear you. Uh, Xbox Play Anywhere. So the okay. you know the PC Xbox One. Um, they actually there was a news story saying that they had gone back on them stating all of the stuff that they did about excuse me, every every first-party game will be on both platforms. Uh, they actually changed the wording um, to state that uh, at release it won't be every game. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they also stated in their new wording that every game that was announced for Play Anywhere will be on Play Anywhere, but not future... T- like, it doesn't state future titles as well. So it seems or like they're like kind of backtracking. Sunset Overdrive and stuff like that. Yeah, well, also, Quantum Break's actually coming to PC and uh, coming to Steam uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So this uh, has me thinking of, like, maybe it is still Play Anywhere, but they're, they're like, timed exclusives to the console itself. So it's kind of their workaround of, like, you'll have it on both PC and Xbox One, but you have a reason to buy the Xbox One because 
because you know there's going to be like a six month wait right for you to be able to play it on PC. So that yeah. kind of gets around the whole situation of playing on PC or playing on Xbox One because like you are valid in the in in your statement Huber of like why own an Xbox One if that's the case right if you have a PC. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But if they make it so it's a timed exclusive, then you're like, well, do I want to wait six months to play all the really cool Microsoft, uh, you know, exclusives? Then that kind of forces your hand a little bit more. So yeah. I thought it was interesting. It's weird that they went and changed the wording, um, you know, and they they kind of didn't state that to the open. But that's kind of how companies work. There's plenty of stuff that came out about PS4 Pro after the meeting that we didn't know about. The lack of the, the Blu-ray drive and that kind of stuff. So That's yeah. such a misstep. <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll yeah. get into that in your topic. Uh, we have plenty to say. We talked about PS4 Pro at nauseum, but there's always more to talk about with it because it's, it's something. Um, Real quick, I want to know, what do we think the price is going to be for Scorpio? I'm saying four ninety nine. Yeah. For yeah. Scorpio? Yeah. Um, my head says four ninety nine. My heart says four forty nine. I would like yeah. it to be a little bit cheaper. Because um, if you think about it, you know, next year... Uh, you say the uh, you know the PS4 Pro gets a price drop of fifty dollars. That means that it's at three fifty, right? It's going to be hard for Microsoft to sell a console, even though it's that much more powerful, for any more than a hundred dollars, right? More than yeah. the PS4 Pro. The, um, they could do like the hard drive trick, where you know they say, "Oh, Scorpio's here. It's five hundred, but it comes with two terabytes," because adding an extra terabyte hard to the hard drive doesn't really cost them very much at all. Yeah. Right? So that could be one way they kind of justify the higher price point too. Yeah, yeah, like that's it. a good point. Also, um, I mean, they don't want to eat a lot of money, but Microsoft has way more money than Sony ever has or ever will have. Um, more than ten times the amount. I, w- I was actually looking at their their company worth, and Sony's sitting at I think forty three billion, and Microsoft's over four hundred and like fifteen billion. So they have Jesus. obviously Microsoft has way more money. There was a news story that Microsoft's working on a cure for cancer. I don't know if you guys saw that. <laughs> um, but like they Excellent. can, yeah, they, they better be it. with all that money. They can eat it because the point of this is they, they want to get their hardware into as many hands because they make a lot more money on software than they do hardware. How long they would want to eat it is is you know a question there, but I couldn't see it being more than $500. There's no way they wouldn't pull the PS3 blunder. There's absolutely no way. Yeah. Um, no way. Yeah, no way. Get, people are just automatically going to compare it to PS3. Yeah, exactly. If it's um, So we're done with the news. Let's get into the topics here. Um, the topic I wanted to roll out to you guys and talk about. Um, so this actually comes off of I was listening to the last Easy Allies podcast, Huber. Um, nice. And you guys were talking about um, I think jo- it was either Jones or Ian brought up the question of like, you know, No Man's Sky is the most disappointing game for the year, right? Mm-hmm. And then you brought up the counterpoint of like, whoa, let's wait to see Final Fantasy 15 and Last Guardian, <laughs> which I was super surprised by, not because I don't believe that, because I do think those games will be disappointing. Um, Last Guardian more so than Final Fantasy 15, but you you seem like you're you're super excited for the games and you want to play those games. So I was actually oh, surprised yeah. that you're the one that brought that up. You know, um, shout out to um, Mighty Number no. Nine by the way. Just <laughs> oh, Mighty Number <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just all the delays and how long those games have been in development hell. You know, uh, yeah. It's just I'm I'm like. It's a defense mechanism to just prepare for disappointment with those games because we have been waiting so long. Uh, It's almost an impossibility for them to live up or exceed the hype because the hype was at a maximum seven years ago. So, um, And a lot of the hands-on that people have reported, that other allies have reported on, uh, just has me concerned. Um, 
you know, I remember Ben Moore did a did a behind closed doors demo of 15, and he came back just super upset. And then they had that terrible E3 showing oh, with gosh, uh, the Titan Christ. fight. Yeah. Um. And then Last Guardian, similar similar thing. People have been playing it, and Daniel Bloodworth had played it, and you know, um, just a lukewarm reception. Yep. But the extra couple months for both is such a big deal because I can remember The Last of Us. Uh, they said that game was a train wreck, mm-hmm. like a month and a half before it came out. Yeah. And in, in a month and a half, you know, everything just ended up fitting nice and tight together, and the game is is great. Um, so I think the extra time and polish, hopefully, will make those games better. But but again, you look at it like. T- t- what can two months do that ten years hasn't, right? <laughs> exactly. So. Um, the counterpoint to that, too, of like the delays is like, it's the most disappointing game this year. We still don't know if those games are coming out this year. Hopefully yeah, they yeah. don't get delayed again. Hopefully. Yep. But you just oh, never man. know. Would yeah, so, why would you say that? <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. Um, we, we, really, I, we just really wanted to hear your opinion on this because like we've talked about this at Nauseam, too, of like Final Fantasy XV. So I've, I've never played... I shouldn't say I never played. I never finished a Final Fantasy game, right? And it's not for lack of trying. It's just that I hopped in really late, and it's kind of like Metal Gear in the sense of, like, there's so much going on that I'm afraid I'm, I'll am i be lost. More so in Metal Gear because it's Hideo Kojima and his games are crazy. But, uh, like, with Final Fantasy, I never I never felt like I wanted to jump in because I, I was afraid I was going to be, like, the uncool kid, right, getting into the party mm-hmm. late. Well, they're all standalone. That's the beauty of it. And same with Persona, Dominic, is that they're all relatively standalone um yeah and you don't yeah there's like one small easter egg that connects three and four um but really but like final fantasy specifically aside from like you know sid creatures names and whatnot uh and like the names of magic spells uh they're all in their own universes yeah uh, the thing with Final Fantasy is like I kind of knew they were all separate stories, but it's like whenever you talk, whenever you hear people talk about Final Fantasy, they always compare them, right? And I have, mm-hmm. I, if I only play one game, I only have one game to compare. When people are like, "What well, do you like? Seven more? Or did you like ten more? Or, you know, all that whole discussion." I'm actually super excited for the remake of Final Fantasy VII if they do it right, because everyone talks about that game being so great, mm-hmm. and you know, it's kind of hard to go back and play older games if you weren't in the zeitgeist at the time. Totally. So like. I'm really excited for the Final Fantasy VII remake if it ever comes out. Um, you know, I love Kingdom Hearts as well. But, like, Final Fantasy XV, when they did the, the Square Enix event where they showed off, you know, Kingslave and they showed off uh, the anime, like, the bro, the bro anime thing. Yeah. Um, I actually got... At that time, we did a podcast, and I was super excited. I was like, I think this is the Final Fantasy I'm going to hop into. And then yeah. slowly but surely, they kept getting me more worried and more <laughs> they worried. They pulled you like, away. Yeah, I was like, I don't know, I don't know, you know. Yeah. So I'm still, it's definitely not a day one purchase for me, but, like, it's still something I'm going to look at. Like, if it comes out and gets, it's critically well-received, then it will be the one that I hop into. But, man. And then Last Guardian, the thing that bothers me about that game is, you said, like, a lot of people are getting hands-on. I've read some articles of people talking about, like, ah, it's kind of iffy. With Shadow of the Colossus, uh, whether you think that game's, like, a tremendously great game or just a good game, like, it's all about the spectacle in that game, right? Um, yeah. And I think if... You know, this game, Last Guardian, is going to have some type of spectacle. Maybe not in, like, scale. But somehow it's going to have some kind of uh, spectacle with it. I want to see that. I don't know why they're not showing that off. All I've ever seen... I, I, I think like, it's a it's a respect 
respect the the player's move, you know? Uh, I, yeah, I guess you I think the less you know about that game, the better. Yeah, sure. Um, but it's also a double-edged sword because then, you know, you have to sell the game. You have to sell copies. They haven't so, done that. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, it seems like a very nuanced game. It, it feels like it's all about the boy's relationship with Trico. Um, and that's something that's really hard to convey to an audience. Well, so. I think to that point, too, I think they know at this point they're not going to make huge numbers. So maybe they... They know that the only people that are going to buy that game are the people that are already already invested in wanting that game. So why ruin it for them? You know, mm-hmm. I think maybe they're yeah. not trying to sell it to more people because they know that's not a possibility at this point. And mm-hmm. if you just get into the hands of the people that already are anticipating loving it and they actually do love it, they'll sell more copies for you. So maybe that's the mm-hmm. case too. Um, yeah, do you, uh, Huber? Do you think these games will get delayed again? <sighs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to no. say no. I'm think I think this is it. You think this uh, is it? Yeah, I think this is it. I think they've had enough time. Um, the fact that they've been playable now, that 15 has had demos, um, you know, we people have had hands-on with these games. I think it's coming. I think both of them are coming. You yeah. can tell when they did this last delay, they pushed it as far as they possibly could without yeah. going out of 2016 because they're like, yeah. we, can't, we can't push it into 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the two, I think... I think Last Guardian is less likely to get delayed. I, I don't think either of them will, but it seems like Final Fantasy, I could easily see them delaying it. Last Guardian, I think, is like, man, even if you need time to polish that game, just get that game out and then fix it with an update. Like, just get that game out, <laughs> yeah. you know? If, if yeah. there's something really wrong with it, just get it out and have a day one patch, you know? Um, do uh, Going back to the original point of this whole question, Huber, of like when Ian brought up, you know, No Man's Sky being the most disappointing game, I called that way early on. I mean, it's not a hard thing to call. The hype was so crazy on that game i really don't think there will be a game that has the high enough hype to the low enough low that no man's sky had i don't think it's possible you know yeah. uh oh, it's nine. possible it's so <laughs> if if last guardian comes out and is a train wreck people will be devastated true well, same well, with 15 like people have been waiting like people have been waiting so long for 15 it used to be called final fantasy versus 13 <laughs> like People have been waiting so long. And, like, Last Guardian has, sure, a big following because of Eco and Shadow of the Colossus. But Final Fantasy is, like, a religious following for yeah. these games. Like, people that love Final Fantasy love Final Fantasy. Yeah. So, I think if Final Fantasy comes out and is a disappointment, people will be devastated. Because No Man's <laughs> Sky, like, people had no affiliation no connection to yeah. the game, you know, because it was the first of a series. Like, people that have grown up with Final Fantasy, I can't even imagine Ben Moore getting his hands on that game and oh. playing it and just it not being good. He'll yeah. lose sleep. Well, the crazy <laughs> thing, too, with Final Fantasy is, like, I think outside of Nintendo, any Nintendo IP and Call of Duty, it's one of the things that, like, even non-gamers know. Like, even, I know a lot of people that aren't gamers that know Final Fantasy. They don't maybe know what the, happens in the game, but they know that that's a game. I think yeah. that's kind of crazy. Also, the like the CG movies, too. I've, I know people that have seen the movies that have never played a game, which is interesting. <laughs> um, but I guess you're right. There There is a chance for it to be as crazy. But, I don't know. For me, like, the No Man's Sky backlash online, a lot of it wasn't justified necessarily as, as crazy as people went. But, like... <laughs> I really don't know if it would be that kind of a fervor online. I know people will be disappointed, but I think the call to action might not be as... Like, there were so many people getting yeah. refunds for No Man's yeah. Sky. I don't know if it would ever get yeah. to that point for Final like Fantasy 15 or Last It would Guardians. just be more depression instead of rage. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
I hope both those games are great. I hope they come out this year. You know, um, it just it's insane to me that there's games that have been development for half of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. a little less yeah. than half. I'm 25 now, but like that. Final, Fa- it's insane. Final Fantasy is always fun when it comes out because it's like the one 200 million dollar JRPG that we get. You uh-huh. know, like uh, yeah. Persona and Tales are huge, but Final Fantasy is leagues above in terms yeah. of uh, production budget. Man, you know so. what? The the franchise I want to catch on is Nino Kuni. Like that game looks oh, so man. cool, you know. Yeah. And I think that really has a chance to blow up in in the West, just oh. because of its art style. And I, if you want to bang for your buck, those game, those well, Nino Kuni is only one game, but they have a second one in development. That game is like really long, and yep. I think that like. Just the art style itself is it plays very well to the Western crowd, especially younger audiences, and I think that's definitely like, you know, kids' first JRPG kind of thing. Like a lot of totally. us, totally, yeah, a lot of us even had like Pokemon to start off with, and I think Nino Kuni mm-hmm. could easily be this next generation's Pokemon. You know, um, yeah, not the same obviously, but Nino Kuni, I think, I- I'm surprised it wasn't shown off by by Sony at all. Um, I hope it has a pretty big presence at PSX Nino Kuni Two. Hopefully, I they think it can- will. Yeah. I hope so. I think that game really has that, a shot. That reception at the last year's PSX was off the charts. Exactly. Are they doing so. Paris Games Week this year? No. Okay. Neither them or Microsoft are doing that. They both didn't do Gamescom as well. They, uh, uh, Sony said that their only their only appearances, like major events, were going to be E3 and then PSX, and then that was before they announced obviously the PlayStation meeting. Um, have they announced PSX yet this year? No, this so we don't even know if that's right. They, they said it's though. they said it's happening though, right? It's rumored to be in Los Angeles. The first year was Vegas. The and second San year Fran, was San right? Francisco. Yeah. So still, still kind of hush hush on it. Well, it's better for you guys then, right? If it's in LA, it's easier to oh, cover. Oh heck yeah! Yeah. Then we can have like Easy LA's meetups. Exactly. That's awesome. Um, I think that's so, pretty much it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, w- I wanted to ask one question. Um. So with Last Guardian and, or I guess it's not a question, but uh, Last Guardian <laughs> and Final Fantasy, uh, I don't think I've heard anyone, uh, there's been plenty of hands-on previews, plenty of people that have played it behind closed doors, and I don't think I've heard anyone that's like, yeah, this game's awesome, I can't wait to play it. Like, yeah. There's so many, think about how many games there are like that. Like, you know, people talk about Gears of War that way, or Dishonored and stuff, and it's like, this game just does not have that hype at all. Like, I don't think... Clearly, they're probably going to be disappointments, but, like, I'm just surprised that no one, not even, like, a hardcore Final Fantasy fan or hardcore Shadow of the Colossus fan is like, yeah, this game's awesome, I can't wait to play it. Like, nobody's saying that. And uh, the thing with that, though, is, like, even if it's not in your forefront of your mind subconsciously, I think even Final Fantasy fans are like, we've waited 10-plus years for this game. This doesn't feel like it's gotten the most of those 10-plus years, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like... And uh, we actually talked about this uh, last week, Huber, and I wanted to have your take on this. My subject was The Last Guardian, whether it's good or not, it's going to be interesting to me if that game ends up being a game that was developed at a time. And what I mean by that is if that game were to release when it was quote-unquote intended to, mm-hmm. if, they're, if they're developing it for that time frame, you know. We haven't seen this company do anything since then, or development company, and I'm interested to see if this game is developed for a past generation of gamers, you know? I'm interested to yeah. see if this doesn't hold up to what we currently expect as a gamer in video games today. And that was my big question of, like, is Last Guardian a game that's developed out of the t- out of its time, you know? Absolutely. It feels like it, for sure. Yeah. Have you played it, Huber? Have you played it, Huber? Which? 
Last Guardian? Oh, uh, Last Guardian, no. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was in the room watching Bloodworth play it at E3. Okay. Did it, saw like did it look janky? It. it sounds like people are saying it's a little janky. Yeah, the way he moved around was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it seems... Man, it's like horror, where like horror games, where it's just such a hard thing to sell, you know? Like I say yeah. horror games because... How do you pitch a horror game in the middle of the day with 100 people around? Yeah, you know, it, exactly. It's all about where you are, how you're playing it. And I think uh, the same can be said about Final Fantasy, uh, a game about emotions. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, it's super hard to judge The Last Guardian until I see that emotional through line, you know. And if that comes together, if I believe it, if I rally behind it... Um, yeah. So. Good luck to both of those teams. Mm-hmm. I think Good Last luck. Guardian Last Guardian could have definitely benefited from like a like a shadow release too. Like it's, it's Oh my oh, god, yes. Just drop it. Exactly. Yeah. The point you brought yeah. up about like, how do you sell that game? How do you sell Journey? Mm-hmm. And Journey is regarded as one of like the best experiences ever for video games. How do you yeah. sell Journey to somebody? You really can't, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, it may may not it may handle janky and stuff like that, but maybe the game isn't about its its movement necessarily. It's about the experience. It's about you know, having your headphones on, being immersed in that world. So it's interesting to see how that plays out. Um, Dom, let's head to your topic now. Ah, yes. Okay. So I like we, your poster, by the way. Oh yeah, uh, that actually. <laughs> yeah, I got that at the midnight uh, screening of Dark Knight Excellent. Rises. Excellent. Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, sorry to uh, hijack your question. Not for, for another day, but um, <laughs> yeah. So okay, a while back we did what are our favorite what are our favorite controllers of all time, nice. um, and somehow we never did our favorite consoles of all time. And actually, I'll reword that: what we think is the greatest console of all time. So it might not necessarily be your favorite, but okay. And I brought up the point before that this is this is going to change depending on the age of the person you're asking. I think that's a sure. really important thing because yeah for for me and jordan um i mean we started probably around the n64 era um or you know ps1 so it's it would be hard to go back um and get you know and judge the original nes the same way that someone who was you know a kid when that thing came out must have been mind-blowing but to me it was always like this thing's a piece of junk especially (laughs) as a 10 year old because you're like well that's all two-dimensional what the heck like i want to i want to distance myself from that statement because the (laughs) nes was my first console at the age of four and i was blown away by it okay so you got one okay never mind then you are different than me (laughs) yeah i didn't get a console you're not one of us i must have been six or so when i got an n64 and that was the first video game i ever played so yeah um what was your first game on that uh super mario 64 Nice. What a good way to start. Most people's first starter pack. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I remember the first games I had on the 64 were that Blitz and. Oh yeah, NFL Blitz. Turok. Yeah. Oh, Turok was pretty dope too, and Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. Goldeneye was a must as well. Goldeneye, I think, came out a little later. Yeah. But yeah well, I, I didn't get. I didn't get 64 at launch. I got it a little bit later, so I kind of had already like a bulk of games to mm. pick up. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the, with your question too, Dom, is also depends on like, so if you're going objective or subjective too, of like, you know, if you're going super objective about it, then it's like, well, we can say greatest console of all time is the Wii because it technically sold the most, you know. Uh, and yeah, who cares uh, about that though? And, yeah. 
I mean, the greatest albums of all time aren't the one that sold the most. I'd uh, argue that we might be the worst console of all time, almost. Damn. This was This was brought up recently in the Allies, too, and it really annoyed the crap out of me, because people were saying, like, the Wii, Wii U, and PS4 because of backwards compatibility. No. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm not what? thinking that way, yeah. Just like, oh, well, it yeah. plays all of the old games, so it has that already. If, if yeah. that were the case, then the PC would yeah. win. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I'm trying game. to say, no, we're talking about like the time frame yeah. of like when it came out to when it was discontinued. Yeah. Yeah. So should we cut out remasters yeah. for that purpose? So no, like, I think remasters count. Okay. Yeah, because they're, yeah. they're technically a different game. It's the same game, but it is a different experience. Or You can play yeah. it on that platform, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, so I think my answer is, like, for me, it's the N64. Like That got me into gaming. They had Ocarina of Time, which absolutely blew my mind. I, I want to say Xbox 360 because that's probably where I, I put the most hours into, you know, of any console. But having gone through three of them, getting rid of Rings of Death, <laughs> I, I'm kind of like, ah, yeah. I wish I could call that my or the greatest console of all time, but it's hard for me to do that. So, And then I, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but the PC would also kind of be up there for me just because the library is everything, essentially. Save for and the sales. Computers. The sales yeah. PC has sales that are unrivaled. Like, but I mean, I would a lot of people, and I'd agree, would argue that it's not really a console. Yeah, thing, so. yeah. But yeah, for me, N sixty four, I think, um, is my greatest console of all time. So you can you can say your favorite or what you think was objectively the best, however you want to take it. It's a tough question because there's a lot of nostalgia in play too. You know, so it's sure. hard to look at it super objectively. Like for me. Uh, if I was picking my own, it would be the PlayStation, the original PlayStation. And the reason I say that is because I played the 64 and I had an original game, uh, GameCube, uh, GameCube, Game Boy. I also had a GameCube. But like the PlayStation was the reason I'm a gamer now. The PlayStation is the reason I play video games the way I do. Um, yeah, like the the 64 and even the Game Boy with like Pokemon and stuff. They were very arcadey experiences to me of like picking it up, playing it for a bit, and then putting it down. It wasn't until the PlayStation came around that I was actually like. Oh, I want to start a game and finish a game. I want to, you know, I want to world build. I want to RP. I want to like understand mechanics of games. Like, the PlayStation is a reason I, I took a deep dive into video games and is a huge reason why I even want to be a game developer. Um, and like, I, I think PlayStation and PlayStation Two as well. I was actually a huge Sony fanboy, and then 360 came out, and I hopped that to that ship, and I've been there ever since. Um, and you know, I, I grew up with PlayStation, and there's nothing like the Sony Entertainment, uh, Sony Computer Entertainment, like pop up with the orange diamond and that tone that comes up. That's so nostalgic to me. Like that, that, that sound. <laughs> exactly. That sound is like synonymous with me as a synonymous game. with Resident Evil for me. Every <laughs> yeah. time. So, quick, quick question about PS One, and this is mostly my ignorance, and I don't really know the history, but I had an N sixty four. Good friends of mine had a PS One. So obviously we'd go over there and play Crash or whatever it was. It always seemed like every game he had would have problems running um, on PS One. Like the you know that starting screen with that Sony Diamond would freeze. It, it seemed like it just plagued so many of his games, and I never had the same kind of problems on N sixty four. So it was kind of tainted to me in that sense. But maybe that was kind of isolated. Um, Most people didn't have that experience. I think he had a I think he had a bunk ass PS One. Also, I think it has to do with a disc-based versus cartridge-based. Like, I think cartridges are a lot more durable. Yeah, that's a good point. And you don't know if he had little brothers or if he had, like, that thing wobbling around with the disc in it can cause a lot of, like, discrete errors and scratching and stuff like that. So, I don't people, know if that's... People really didn't own discs at that point. I mean, were DVDs around then? I mean... 
No. CDs. Mm. Oh. People didn't yeah. know how to. Oh, CDs, duh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Huber, what's your favorite console of all time? <sighs> you need you need a second. I got mine locked I think, and loaded. Yeah, you go, you go. Okay, so yeah, we actually talked about this last week uh, before we recorded the podcast, and I was talking to Dom about how, um, for me, this decision comes down to um, your desert island console. Um, so any console that I refer to, I'll just go ahead and say I'm talking about the end of the generation when it's got. You know, if it's a newer console, it has all its patches and it has all the games already out and all that stuff. Um, maybe they've, you know, fixed the red ring or whatever. Um, so, yeah, like the Desert Island console for me, I think this is also not only my favorite, but also the best. I think it's the PlayStation 3, absolutely. Um, the library, I think, is completely unrivaled. Um, the hardware is as solid as it gets. Um, you know, there's plenty of... Uh, original fat PS3 still kicking around to this day. Um, I think the, um, you know, it was a console ahead of its time. That's why it cost so much. It had the built-in Bluetooth and the built-in Wi-Fi. Basically all things that you had to get an adapter for on the 360, um, which when you think about it, it kind of like justified the price because if you had had the HD DVD drive and the Wi-Fi adapter um, and... Wi-Fi adapter is huge. Yeah, like, those were hundreds of dollars when they first came out, so it was pretty much the same thing if you had a comparative 360. Um, but yeah, mostly, like, the game library, I just don't think... I don't think any other console can compete with that. I think, you know, PS2 has a super strong library. I think PS4 is starting to get there. Um, but yeah, if I had to live on a desert island with just one console, it would absolutely be PS3, so, just because you can't, you can't even contest those games. So speaking of uh, Wi-Fi adapters, I, I just I can't believe I've never told you guys this story before. Just got I just got to throw this out here. Um, so I had an Xbox 360 for probably a year or so. Played a lot of Halo 3, um, Call of Duty 2, etc. Didn't even realize that multiplayer online gaming was really a thing. I mean, I guess I had heard about it, but I didn't know. Right? Yeah. It was like some weird world that I was never going to be a part of. It just wouldn't happen. Yeah. Uh, one day, um, I had, we had a babysitter, uh, me and my brother, and he said, "Well, here, just." Plug the phone cord into it, and now you can play with people all around the world. And like, like blew my mind. I was like, oh. and then I played Halo Three like endlessly for a year or two. Yeah. Thank God for your brother. Yeah. The the good thing too about having a PS3 on a desert island is, a there's no internet access. So you don't have to worry about all the security issues. And B, if it's the original model, you can kill a kill a goat or something on that island if you need to eat. You know, because that thing was so big. True. Just use it true, as a true. weapon. Though the GameCube is the best because it has a handle, so you can actually use that as a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Huber, what's your favorite console? Uh, I'm going to have to go with PS2. Okay, um, strong choice. The JRPG the, machine. Exactly, and that's funny you say that. I think the reason it uh, you know, conquers uh, PS3, PS1, even PS4 is the JRPGs. Um, Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy, Persona. Kingdom uh, Hearts. So Kingdom Hearts, so many others. And it just has my favorite franchises of all time. Devil yeah. May Cry, God of War, Metal Gear, Resident Evil, Jack and Daxter. Like, the list goes on and on. Um, and the diversity. Racing games, sports games, fighting games, wrestling games, shooters, JRPGs. Like, the best of every genre is on PlayStation 2. Sure. So. You That's my second any- choice. You couldn't go anywhere without seeing the PlayStation 2 at that time, too. Also, funny, funny side story... 
I did not know until I already owned a 360 that the PlayStation logo on the actual PS2, you can rotate it depending on if you're standing it vertically or horizontally. <laughs> did not know you could rotate it. Never That's knew cool. that was a thing. I never knew that either. I friend came friend came over and he was putting in a game and he messed with it. He's like, did you know this thing moved? And I was like, did you just break my PS2? He's like, no, look. <laughs> He's going to rotate. And I was like, oh, I never knew that was a thing. Um, yeah, so I think that settles it for our favorite consoles. I think going into like the question was Freddy's is the greatest console that could be a, a podcast on its own. That's just a huge discussion yeah. of like what are what are the set rules? Like you know, is it sales? Is it library? Um, is oh wait, what, was was the question greatest or favorite? It's a little both, I guess. Both, I don't yeah. know. Okay, I'm saying PS2 greatest. I'm saying Dreamcast is my favorite. Oh, yeah, out yeah. of left field. So Dreamcast was cool. Dreamcast had I think one of the first like substantial uh, MMA games too. Like, that was actually a good time. Like, I loved the Dreamcast. I never owned one. That was the console that my friend had that he I went over to play the Dreamcast. Um, Crazy Taxi and just a bunch of really cool games. Uh, for me, I guess, with the Dreamcast, I think that's kind of like a guilty pleasure console. For me, it's a GameCube with that. Like, I, I love the GameCube. The controller, super weird. I actually like it, though. It's one of my favorite controllers of all time, as weird as it is. Um, it's where <laughs> I got into the Harvest Moon series or I got into Animal Crossing. Uh, Metroid, like I played a ton of games on the GameCube. It's actually my last Nintendo console I owned. I've owned all the handhelds, but I, mean, I didn't buy the Wii. I didn't buy the Wii U. NX, hopefully it delivers. We'll see. Um, yeah, so Jordan, what's your topic? Yeah, so we have already kind of been talking about uh, some of this stuff in the, the podcast. Um, uh, we mentioned both Persona 3 and 4, and then, of course, we talked about uh, Last Guardian and Final Fantasy Fifteen. Um, so my topic is the current state of, I guess we're calling it current current state of Japanese game development, um, which um, I talked about a little bit during some of our E3 podcasts where I was saying, like, I really think we're about to kind of experience a revolution as far as Japanese gaming. I feel like they're kind of going to um, finally catch up to the West as far as, like, diversity in games and also, I don't mean, like... Uh, you know, like, character diversity, I just mean, like, the, the type of games that they're making, and also, like, the scope and the scale, like, the big open-world games that, that the Western developers are so known for, um, and to be honest, I'm really not seeing it as much, I thought we were going to have at least a couple more game announcements, hopefully a TGS, even though it didn't happen, um, of games that, that really feel like they're new and fresh, and, Maybe they're JRPGs, but they they feel kind of more Western, and they feel kind of more like um, just stuff that we're more used to um, at this point in gaming. Um, Huber, you might be able to help me out with this because you were talking about this game. Um, the TG, the game at TGS that was uh, like based off of the mobile series that they're coming to console. Oh yeah, I forget like the name big, of that third yeah, person yeah. open world that is kind of like where i'm going like i need more mm -hmm. open world action adventure jrpgs i need some more um you know kind of innovation and just progressive um ideas and thoughts put into these games of course yeah we're getting uh we talked about last guardian i definitely don't think that's going to be pushing the bar um final fantasy 15 could persona 5 can but the i mean essentially that's kind of a ps3 game that's been ported to ps4 in my mind that's kind of how i see it um so yeah i'm kind of waiting on that innovation to come out of out of the east and i'm i'm still not quite seeing it hopefully maybe we'll get some game announcements in 2017 but yeah i wanted to get you guys thoughts on uh, the current state of japanese game development 
Seriously, Kojima can't carry it by himself. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Talk about a stranding. Because Death Stranding, obviously, is going right, to right. freak everyone out, freak the world out when that hits. Shout out to Metal Gear Solid Five. That was a very innovative uh, Japanese game, so there you go. Um, do, you, do you think that... So, the NX, obviously, is going to be a huge thing, uh, and Nintendo yeah. wants that thing to sell. You know, yeah. mobile mobile is huge in Japan, right? It's kind of like their primary way of gaming. Right. Do you think that, like, if the NX is successful, do you think that'll push Japanese developers to... I, mean, I shouldn't be the only reason they're innovating, but, like, you know, if you have a handheld that's, like, it, it goes to the point where it's ubiquitous, and it's in so right. many hands, not only the Japanese audience, because you know it's going to hit if it's a mobile device, but also the Western audience. Like, if the Western audience catches on to this mobile hybrid, if that's what it is with all the rumors, do you think that will be the driving factor in, like, you know, the Japanese developers innovating and stuff like that? Because I kind of agree with you. When it comes to Japanese development, um, it's it's very stale, yeah. Um, and I don't th- necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think games come out that people are expecting that play like they're expecting, and they're great games, but there isn't a lot of innovation there. Um, it's stagnant, and it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, KG Anafune was kind of like calling people out a couple years ago in an interview, and then like, what game is more stale and stagnant than Mighty Number no. Nine? Like, I I don't think I could think of one. There's I, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk too of like his role with Recore and if he w- should have even been involved in stuff like that. So right, poor right. poor Inafune, that guy has such a storied career and it's it's kind of <laughs> turning the tides <laughs> here pretty off late. Off a cliff, yeah, yeah. Um, the crazy thing too is like a lot of Japanese developers I see as like the grandfathers of gaming. Like there right. are uh, like there are American guys that I look to that are like these are some of the best names in games as far as like legacy. Like Tom ha- uh, Tom Howard and uh, uh, Todd Howard. Yeah, Todd. I say Tom Howard. Sorry, um, and John McCormick over at ID. Well, he's now with Oculus, but like a lot of times when you think of like the grandfathers of video games you think of you know Japanese developers and it's weird that that's not the case now like even with it kind of goes hand in hand I think with the lack of success with Nintendo like you know it's just weird to me that there's kids growing up now that don't have a Nintendo console in their hands that's strange to me you know that don't even like really know what Nintendo is or like have that that not nostalgia but they don't have that connection like everyone anyone who plays games nowadays that's our age they at least have some connection, even if it's tangential to Nintendo, and that's not the case anymore. Exactly. I have all my friends I play Xbox with, or just have played gaming with in the past. Not all, whether they're PlayStation guys or Xbox guys, I've never heard any of them say no to the idea of Nintendo games being on all platforms. Everyone yeah. loves Nintendo games because they're made well. You never hear yeah. a Nintendo game coming out and having to have a, a day one update that fixes bugs and stuff. Their games are always really well polished the problem is they never have hardware that they want that people want to buy um but i i really think that going to your your initial question of like i think japanese development is going to go hand in hand with the success of the nx as far as like innovation because if you release this console it's a hybrid that's a different space for developers to play in and i think if there's any time there's mobile involved the japanese developers are the ones that can get it the most right i think western developers are okay at it but i think japanese people and japanese developers make the most out of the mobile experience i think that's a good point i wasn't thinking about how much the nx could kind of supercharge that situation because yeah, I mean, the especially PlayStation's really popular in Japan, and of course we know that, you know, Japanese people basically just shit all over Xbox, I could care less, but, um, or couldn't care less. Shout out to the EZA podcast. Um, <laughs> but, uh, anyways, um, yeah, I think the NX could be that catalyst, because 
a lot of the big publishers over there that have the first-party studios, you know, Capcom's doing their remasters and remakes, Square Enix is making stuff like uh, uh, I Am Setsuna with the Tokyo RPG Factory, a lot of them are going backwards as opposed to forwards, so, like I said, NX could be that catalyst that they need, you know? Yeah. It is. We're standing on the edge, overlooking an abyss right now. <laughs> Save us, Nintendo. Yes. Save us. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of big, big moments uh, in the next six months. Uh, the NX being the prime moment uh, for the future of Japanese game development. Um, I also think the success of Final Fantasy XV mm. and Persona 5... Uh, are huge. Yeah. Uh, if those games do well, that will change the direction of vel- development. And uh, man, I want to give a shout out to Resident Evil Seven because yes. uh, oh yeah, some like I know there's a lot of uh, contention about the direction that that franchise has gone, but it's changed in the past. You know, it's Resident Evil Four was an action game, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Then Resident Evil Five added co-op. Uh, so we've had these changes in the past to kind of adapt to the market, um, and I think that's a, that's that's okay. You know, they're looking at the return of horror right now. We're kind of in a horror resurgence. Um, VR is just about to take off, and they're using that. So uh, I'm super pumped that Resident Evil Seven and Capcom are taking a huge risk. Yes, uh, yeah. and that's what it's all about, and I love it. That's I the biggest so. thing is there's no risk taking out of Japan at the yeah. moment, so you yeah, need more of that. Well, totally. Also, there was a recent interview um, with uh, what's the name of the president from From Software? I know his Miyazaki. last name is Miyazaki. Yeah, they're working on three new projects. One of them's Armored Core. Exactly. Yeah. They've, they've saved us. Yeah, they've saved <laughs> video games. They're working on a new Armored <laughs> Core. They stated they're working on a VR experience. And we don't know what the third one is. And it's so they said there's not going to be a new Dark Souls game, right? But in mm-hmm. that inter, in the interview I was reading, he said that they're still going to take aspects of Dark Souls, right? It'll be Dark Souls like, which leads me to believe the third game might be Bloodborne too. You never know. Um, yeah. They said no Dark Souls, which obviously that's not going to happen. But like Bloodborne is as close to Dark Souls as you can get. So I'm, yeah. my I'm sure my yeah. dream in life. Um, I'm a selfish person. My dream already came true with Shenmue 3. Yep. <laughs> My next dream is that From Software makes a new Castlevania game. Oh, Golly. my God. I mean, that's kind let's, of what Let's Bloodborne make that is. happen. Ooh. Of yeah. course, of course. But, like, you know, I still think, like, the Castlevania formula is a little different with, like, puzzles and the pacing and everything. Yeah. Uh, I would just love, I would love that. I oh, think there's man. a Castlevania game in development right now. I think Lords of Shadow is kind of far enough away. Mm-hmm. I think, I think you're gonna see it sooner than you might think. Maybe you know, an <sighs> announcement next year and release. <laughs> I hope. I hope. I'm feeling it in my bones. Yes, I love this. Well, the I, crazy. Sorry, go ahead, Dom. Yeah, I'm, I'm still thinking. <laughs> I'm still thinking that Bloodborne Two is definitely going to happen, but I don't think From Software makes it. I think Sony might Whoa. ask them, right? But they they're what second or third party, so they have no obligation. Uh, necessarily, and Sony owns that IP, so maybe I'm thinking yeah. still that Sony um, hands someone it else on board to make the sequel. I think there's a good possibility that'd be, of that. Would that be crazy? The crazy thing too is like, I don't think that would be so crazy. Uh, CD Projekt Red, I, they they were underrated for a long time. I think they're getting a lot of recognition now. I think From is one of the most underrated companies out there too. Like yeah. Dark Souls, Dark Souls Three has some of the most fluid and and specific like gameplay mechanics 
I think in any video game I've ever played, like they've just gotten better. I I like Dark Souls more than Dark Souls Two. I thought Dark Souls Two is probably the worst out of the series for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. Three just There's no Miyazaki. Exactly. Three just hits everything right, and that game just feels so much better than any other game. Like it just feels right. So that's so, one of those weird things. I agree with you completely. Like three really is the best Dark Souls game. Like objectively, everything about it is just pretty much near perfect. But I still love one. Nostalgia, point. yeah. yeah it's just that was the first time I played a game that punched me in the teeth that hard, you know? Just wanted <laughs> to keep playing. Okay, I'm feeling something else in my bones here. I'm seeing a prophecy <laughs> in the crystal ball, okay? Yes, check, I love this. Check this out. So this winter, we're going to be freeing Studio Japan, a first-party uh, Sony studio, from the chains of both The Last Guardian and they'll have uh, Gravity Rush 2 out, right? What if they're making the next Bloodborne? Because they actually worked on Bloodborne alongside From Software. Ooh, yeah, and, so right. and they are Sony first party, and you know, Team Eco is finally going to leave their asses alone. So they're not like, hey, can you help us make that this could, team that your game? <laughs> you completed my thought, my prediction. Studio yeah. Japan, Bloodborne 2. I'm calling it now. We're going to hand it Love it, guys. Yeah. Love uh, it. Huber, what's your topic for us? You're a guest of honor. What what did you bring to us for the t- on the uh, table? I'm gonna pull a fast one here. You guys were said you talked about PS4 Pro to death. It was originally gonna be PS4 Pro. Uh, we kind of touched on it with Scorpio. Um, I just got a little fun one. Uh, your game of the years so far. So Ooh, Goaty okay. so far. Okay, so I actually give me one second to pull up Vamp a little bit. I'm gonna pull up a list because I have a list. I think. Okay, so let's talk about PS4 Pro for two seconds. That thing looks like a goddamn sandwich, bro. That thing looks like a sandwich. The Big Mac. Yeah. Jordan's been waiting for the last hour. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, give us the rant. So we talked about our favorite consoles, the best consoles of all time. I've told Dom this. Dom has already heard this. This is the ugliest console of all time by far. And I'm even going know, back man. to that like, original. That original Xbox is hideous. No, dude, this is uglier. Like this, could, <laughs> oh, you, know, you could at least like I don't know. have uh, the Xbox sitting there, and no one's gonna like freak out. Like if you just like walk past a PS4 Pro, you're gonna be like, "Damn, what? The, who? Sony made that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Sony made that? Uh, no, I mean like I'm even thinking about like those janky ass like the Philips and the Jaguars and like the, the <laughs> off brand consoles. Like at least they just look like decent electronics. I don't know, man. <laughs> I think you're just really mad that it doesn't have a faceplate, and you have some pretty dope faceplates you want to be able exactly, to put on. Exactly. <laughs> like, why did they just start putting out faceplates? Sony themselves, and then they're like, "Oh, screw that. We're not doing that anymore." Um, going to the goatee though. So I brought up my personal list. Um, obviously you guys talked about it on the last easy, easy a podcast, uh, Huber. And, um, I've, so the caveat on this is I don't think there's anything the rest of the year that will take its place for me personally. The only thing I can think of is maybe gears Four. um, who knows? Last Guardian might be might be crazy or something, you know. Um, <clears throat> also, the other caveat: I don't own a PlayStation Four, so Uncharted Four isn't on my list, and it's not because I don't think it's a good game or anything. It's just I didn't play it, and I don't I don't feel it's right to put a game on my list if I haven't played it. That's just my <laughs> personal opinion. Um, so I'm gonna work from the bottom up. So uh, Dark Souls Three is on my list. Obviously, it's a must-have. It's Dark Souls Three. Um, I don't want to talk it to death, but it, like we stated earlier, it's the best in the Dark Souls series. Uh, it does everything the best. Um, it has, outside of Dark Souls 1, it has some of the most memorable bosses, I think. 2, it's pro- two didn't feel like a Dark Souls game in the sense of like a lot of the gameplay aspects. Also, a lot of the bosses weren't very memorable to me personally. That's a big thing with Dark Souls, is remembering the bosses. Like, Ornstein and Smao are some of my favorite characters in any video game. 
Um, Hell yeah. Next on my list is Doom. This is probably my biggest surprise for the year. Doom, Doom is the most impressive game to me from what I thought it was going to be. It was the biggest surprise to me. Um, you know, it, it had a little bit of troubled development, and I was like, okay, I'm going to play Doom because I love shooters. And I picked up that game, and I played it, and I was just entranced. Like, that game is so well made. Like, the story isn't, you know, Last of Us or anything, and it's there. But the shooting is so fluid. The mechanics are so well. The upgrade system is impeccable. Um, the game just looks pretty. It runs well. I'm not a I'm not a frame rate savant, but, like, that game just looked so damn good. Um, so, yeah, uh, Doom is on my list. Uh, next up on my list, I have The Final Station, which I've talked about at nauseum earlier in the show. Um... It's just a game that is is interesting from the fact of it puts two different types of games together. Like the train simulation is very important, and so is the 2D adventuring and shooting. Um, I think it's it plays in the same vein of Shovel Knight of taking all of these old aspects from old video games and putting them into a new version, right? Um, Shovel Knight's one of my favorite games of all time. I love Shovel Knight to death, and I think yeah. the Final Station is doing that but differently. Um, and it, it's just so well made. I think the story is told in a very interesting way. Um, I just like the whole, the whole, like literally every aspect of that game from the gameplay to the storytelling to the graphics, beautiful. Uh, next up on my list is Overwatch. This is teetering on my personal game of the year, but it's not quite there. Um, Overwatch is a fantastic game. It's Pixar meets Team Fortress 2. Like it's just a beautiful game. Um, the, the mechanics are very well done. Um, I love multiplayer games that have layers where depending on how deep you want to get into the game, it's all up to you, right? So you can play on a baseline level. You can play casual games, have a great time with Overwatch with your friends. But if you really take it serious and you want to go competitive, you get your best friends um, and you get you get them playing the, the roles that they like and you can, you know, try to win matches and try to have a fun time and strategize and stuff like that. Um, one thing you said on the EZA podcast, I believe it was you, Huber, might have been somebody else, but, like, that game plays so differently depending on what characters you are. Um mm-hmm. And it lends well to every different play style. I have pl- friends that have never played a Call of Duty game or a shooter, period. And they love that game because they don't need to shoot. They can have Reinhardt and run around, swing a hammer, protect people. Um, just the different variations of gameplay styles, and that game is impeccable. Um, the shooting mechanics are great. Um, Blizzard knows how to make games. They know how to polish them. Um, the loot system is perfectly fine. It doesn't feel super microtransaction-y, except for the whole Summer Games thing where like you couldn't build the skins yourself with gold. That was a little weird. I think they might fix that in the future. They've been tweaking the, the competitive mode over and over to get it right. Um, yeah, I just think it's a great game all around. Uh, nothing much else to say. The game of the year is Inside. Uh, I believe I'm the only person here that's played Inside, I believe. Um, I You were talking about Huber that you own it, but you haven't gotten around to playing it yet. Um, the game is just so well made. Play Dead, I, I'll spend $100 on their next game. If in six years, if, if the jump from Limbo to, to Inside is what, you know, Inside is to their next game, I'll pay 100 bucks for that game. I don't care. It could be two hours long. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that game is it's so great. And like, there's a lot of people saying that they didn't like the ending, that they didn't understand it. And, like, you know, some people are like, video games need to have a, a meaning or it needs to have, like... No, sometimes it interpretation is like really good and i like shows that do that maybe not to like the sopranos level of like cut the cam you know it's a black screen but um i just like that game the animation is so well done in that game it's 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 just so pretty it's so well done uh somebody somewhere i forgot where said that every animation that game is there for a reason um and that's it's true like it's it was a small team they spent every little detail and put into that game of like if you die this way this happens um, 
I don't want to talk too much about it because I think it's a game that that deserves to be played. And if you just you know you don't want to spoil it for people, so I just get around to playing. It's my game of the year, so that's pretty much it. I got a short list. Um, for me, it was it was only between really Dark Souls three and Uncharted four, and it was tough. In a in a different universe, I might have picked Dark Souls three, but I I was just a little burnt out on the series, as good as that game was, and Uncharted four just was just spectacular to me, like. Definitely the best game in the series. Everything about it, I thought, was pretty near flawless. Um, I loved every aspect of it. So that's the that's the easy pick for me. I'm not showing you guys' ears off um, with my spiel here, but <laughs> the only thing coming out that I think might jump it or has the chance would be Dishonored 2. I'm extremely excited for that. I hmm. don't envision it jumping Uncharted 4 for me, but there's a chance, so we'll see. I keep forgetting Watch Dogs 2 is coming out this year, too. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting about that game. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, you want to go? Um, I'm actually kind of building a list right now. Okay, Huber, you want to yeah. jump out? Uh, Uncharted 4 as well, uh, and Dark Souls 3. Uh, Uncharted 4, I love, Dom, that you said it's the best in the series because, you know, I have rants about the power of nostalgia. Um, that game you know, doesn't. And it's, yeah, like, oh my god, Uncharted is so good. And the multiplayer, too. Like, the reason it takes Overwatch for me is because, sure, the, the multiplayer in Overwatch is better than the multiplayer in Uncharted, uh, but not by much. And then, of course, there's the story. So it's like this total package, this full, just meaty steak dinner of a video game. Um, and then... Yeah, Dark Souls 3, again, uh, it's my favorite Souls game as well, which is just insane. <laughs> you know, this year we had two franchises that came back and gave us, like, the best in the series. Uh, so it's just a hell of a time to be alive, hell of a time to be playing video games. <laughs> um, coming out in the future, uh, Battlefield 1 is really big for me. Uh, kind of a Battlefield fanatic. Um, I don't think it'll be... I don't think it'll overtake those games. I think it could come sneak in like a nomination though. Um, but the last one I want to bring up is Deus Ex. Nice. Mankind Divided. Um, it has made me look at the way I play video games differently. I had a very profound epiphany <laughs> uh, playing this game. Um, I'm a completionist. I'm OCD. Every game I play, uh, open world games are my nightmare. <laughs> um, I have to do everything in a game uh, to truly move on. And I'm, I'm really strict with myself, too, about just, like, finishing games. Like, if I start a game, I'm finishing it. Even if I'm, like, lukewarm on it, if it's, like, a six or a seven, I'm getting through the game. Um, Deus Ex taught me that it's... It taught me that you can't play every single game the same way. Yeah. yeah. And with the same mindset. Mm. Uh, and it, it was just it was cra a crazy eye-opening experience and definitely like one of the biggest moments of my life for me was playing this game that's crazy so, do you think anything yeah. coming out is gonna is gonna change your list do you think anything has a chance to hop any of those games besides battlefielding uh, the only thing that to me really has a chance to overtake everything is Final Fantasy 15 yep hopefully so we'll see you know if it comes out and it's the JRPG the world has been waiting for, then uh, yeah. Hmm. So this is—it's interesting too. This is one of the first years where like 
Battlefield and uh, Call of Duty aren't on the same like timeline as far as like the, where the game's taking place. So it's going to be mm-hmm. interesting. Also, I think there's a lot of bad blood with gamers of having the COD uh, 4 remaster as a package and you can't buy it standalone. I think that's going to yeah. get... God. Yeah, that, that's us. I played the Battlefield 1 beta. I'm not a huge Battlefield guy, but that beta played so well for me personally. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Battlefield's all about the environments and everything, and that desert was so alive. And uh, they're just... Those games it. are so well made. I, yeah. I always usually have a problem with the Battlefield stories for being a little lackluster, but most of the time it's oh, not why you buy a Battlefield game. It's for the multiplayer. So Yeah, because uh, with the exclusion of like Bad Company, they really only threw it in during uh, Battlefield 3, and that was like a mission-type thing. It wasn't even really like a full narrative. Yeah. Uh, Battlefield 4 was like the first true campaign, uh, again, other than Bad Company. Yep. Um, but yeah, Battlefield 1 hopefully you know gets it up to snuff. This will be like the first real test, and there's so much to work with there. Like if they they I, I couldn't imagine them messing up, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that story. There's so much there, so we'll see. I'm interested. Bad Company just did it perfectly, man. It's like <laughs> using the strengths of Battlefield to enhance your story. It's like you're these guys, and you know, it's like Dirty Dozen sell. It's like yo, we got to get all the way over there. Yep. And you just keep going through these cities and, like, armies come and you just destroy the entire place and move on. Like, well, I think it also had a, lot it. Of, it had a lot of, uh, like, um, lighthearted comedy in it, too, that mm-hmm. lent itself to, you know, totally. a lot of times during uh, during that kind of time frame, there, a lot of shooters were, like, grays and browns and so serious so and all this So serious. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> oh, here's a little bit of comedy. So, Jordan, how's your list coming? You done? Yes, I am good to go here. <laughs> All right, um, sounds like you were typing a, a short essay. Couldn't catch me on that curveball, Huber. I got it. Um, so, yeah. Um, if I just had to say one right off the bat, I'm going to go with uh, my game of the year currently is Quantum Break. Hmm. Um, Dude, sick pick. <laughs> Indeed. None of love Indeed. for Quantum Break. Indeed, yeah. So, yeah, I feel like this game's not getting nearly enough love i feel like people didn't no. play it enough because it wasn't on ps4 or enough people didn't play it i should say um and yeah man i feel like um this came out right around uncharted 4 and to me it just like beat the shit out of uncharted 4 as far as story and gameplay and atmosphere and characters <laughs> and your face I says it all <laughs> on and on and on i won't even hey, i love it. it i love the game i love the game for sure yeah um, uh because Sorry, just to interject, because sure, sure. the whole, like, turning the, the cover shooter genre on its head. I think yeah. Uncharted did it as well, uh, emphasizing mobility. Yeah. Quantum Break, same thing, all about movement. Oh, yeah. Do not stop. Keep moving. Yeah. I love that. Well, and these guys know I'm super into uh, superhero games, and I totally consider Quantum Break to be one. So, um, <laughs> if I had to pick that, would be one. My second would probably be Ratchet & Clank. Um Oh yeah, I, I I couldn't say this is like my favorite game of the year just because it's kind of a reimagining. It's 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 not exactly like all brand new, and it's not really as good as Quantum Break. But um, Ratchet and Clank is one of my favorite series of all time. Um, this game is obviously gorgeous. Uh, the voice acting's of course on par because you got all the same characters. Um, I like the way that they frame the story, and I like the way that. They handled uh, the reimagining, the reboot. You know, of course, it's Ratchet and Clank, so you got like some fourth wall breaking jokes in there and stuff. Um, yeah, and Insomniac just killed it again. So uh, shout out to that game. Um, What's your favorite Ratchet and Clank? Favorite Ratchet and Clank, dude. Absolutely, and this is is gonna this is a curveball. There's only one right answer to this question. Uh-oh. Be careful. It's, <laughs> it's Ratchet Deadlocked. 
Deadlocked. What? Ratchet Deadlocked, dude. I'm all about that gameplay and that game. Bold. Like you're talking about Bad Company, where you're just rolling into towns and just yeah. beating people up. Ratchet yeah. Deadlocked is just like Sick. Ratchet. You're you don't have Clank with you because yeah. he's like you're he's on the comms, yeah. but uh, mm-hmm. he respect. Uh, yeah, Ratchet gets thrown into this like battle arena, and you're just like destroying fools and yeah. just getting like overpowered and overpowered but you have so many people coming at you that it balances out so mm-hmm. I mean I feel like there's better Ratchet and Clank games I've played them all I love them all but dude something about Deadlocked is just special that's to cool. me that's cool the game so. sounds like cracking time for me that game sounds like Ratchet Dynasty Warriors from the way you described it just like hordes um, of enemies coming at you <laughs> I mean there's definitely like a difficulty to it it's not just like yeah. blazing through people but yeah it's it's a cool game um, and then I guess I'll just have some, uh, some honorable mentions here. Um, I know it's not a full game, but it basically is. I want to shout out Witcher 3 Blood and Wine. Um, I mean, yeah, for all intents and pur- purposes, that game is a full game. Um, yeah. you know, so much content, so much to do, so many, like, they totally revamped the graphics and the way things look and feel. Um, so shout out to that one. Shout out, uh, I didn't love this game, I'm not, I didn't get too far into it, but I think it's really cool, uh, it was free on PS Plus earlier this summer, and that's Fury, um, it's kind of like the Fury. Boss Rush games, or Boss, Ru- Boss Rush game where you're, uh, it's, it's got a lot of Afro Samurai vibes, if you're a fan of, of that show, um, you're basically a samurai who is trying to escape from this jail, and so you have to beat all these badasses on the way. Um, hopefully I'll get back to that game at some point. And then, um, Hyperlight Drifter is a game that is so, so close to being incredible. It's so close to being awesome. Um, and I feel like just, you know, I talked a lot about it on this podcast. I feel like some of the nuances of the way combat works just didn't click for me. Um, so I really like that game, but I don't love it. And that's why it's just an honorable mention. And then, uh, coming out this year, I would say Mafia 3... Uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider and Dishonored 2 are my most anticipated um, and I know Rise of the Tomb Raider technically came out last year but I didn't play it so um, I think any of those three could could uh, essentially take that spot but uh, it's going to be tough to beat Quantum Break and then uh, Gravity Rush 2 I love 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 Gravity Rush and um, it coming to PS4 and being like an actual full HD open world I think uh, could do a lot of things for that franchise. I could see it being a real sleeper hit here at the end of the year. So, yeah, really excited for Gravity Rush 2. Who knows, man, maybe Final Fantasy 15 or Last Guardian will come through. Maybe Watch Dogs. I don't know. I'm kind of lukewarm on Watch Dogs 2 right now just because it's... I'm just kind of getting that, like, bland Ubisoft open world vibe a little bit. Um, but, yeah, man, we'll see. Alrighty, let's uh, close out the show. So the way we close out the show usually uh, is we talk about what we're going to be playing. Uh, for me, it's going to be Back to Final Station. Want to finish that up? Uh, finishing up Bioshock, obviously. And uh, have you guys heard about Virginia? The game's been getting yes. a, a lot of a lot of hype recently. It's by Variable State. Um, it's a, it's an adventure game, I believe. Um, really cool graphics. Like it, it looks very pretty. Apparently, the yeah. animation's really well uh, done in that game. Um, I don't think so contend for game of the year or anything but i think i'll have an enjoyable time everything i've read about this game seems like it's just a very cool experience um there's also another game i wanted to try out this week i think it's called like diaries of a space janitor or something it's a a new game that came out on steam um that looks interesting as well but yeah just getting back to finishing final station i'm near 
I'm, I'm like, I think four hours into that game, so I'm nearing the end. There's like a, a map that you can see kind of where you're going through. I don't know if you loop around again, but I'm near the end of that, so I want to get finished with Final Station, get a review up and stuff like that. Uh, finish Bioshock, obviously, and then uh, Virginia's on the slate, so what about you guys? Uh, just reviewing Destiny, so back into that. Uh, Mafia 3 and Gears of War 4 I'll be reviewing as well, so I'll be moving on to those. Uh, and then a little World of Warcraft Legion on the side. Ooh. I've heard mixed reviews. I know you're really enjoying it, but I've heard some people that don't really like oh, it. Oh, no. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, haven't been this stoked since Wrath of the Lich King for a WoW expansion. I mm. think it's great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm not a WoW yeah. guy, but that game, the longevity of that game is just impressive. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's insane. Oh, I forgot to say earlier in the show when, I, when we were talking about what we played, I finally watched the premiere episode of Atlanta, Jordan. So, yes. Yeah, Donald. How is that show? It's really good. It's really yeah. good. Cool. It yeah. has the the first like three minutes of that show have an opening that's really that ties into everything. I'm just gonna put it that way. It's really cool. Yep. It's really yep. well done. It's cool. it's written by Donald Glover himself. He's a fantastic writer. Guy can act. He can rap. He can do everything. He can yeah. paint your fence in your backyard if you need him to. He can do anything. He's <laughs> insane. Uh, yeah, the show's cool. very good. Uh, Highly recommended. I've also been. I also watched uh, All or Nothing, which is an Amazon series about the Arizona Cardinals. If you're into sports, it's really cool. Um, yeah, I forgot to say that earlier. Sorry to interject. What are you guys? Uh, what are you guys gonna be playing? So, what am I gonna be playing? Games. Uh, more Dragon's Dogma. I'm gonna keep digging into that. And then I'll probably finish up uh, Lego Force Awakens before jumping into Persona. So um, checked off the list before I dive in. The deepest dive yeah, you will exactly. ever dive. Doesn't uh, tell, oh my god. Doesn't Telltale's Batman episode two come out soon? Yeah, it's already out. It already yep. came out. Yeah. And I'm glad you bring it up, Dominic. Man, seriously, word of advice: play on like normal or easy for Persona. You know, you oh, got you got nothing to prove. <laughs> you know, True that. you don't like. <laughs> yeah. People don't play Persona for the deep, in, in, intimate, intricate combat. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. Like normal um, at most. <laughs> Baby getting steps. Back, getting back to uh, a bat, Telltale Batman. So I played the first episode. We guys or we all, we all talked about it. I, I don't know how I didn't bring this up. Like first thing, I should have just shouted. My PS4 is gone. Um, no. Sent it to Amazon right now. So I'm without it broke. A PS4. <laughs> um, well, yeah. It was Did it having, break? It was having issues. There was like two or three <sighs> times where it shut itself off and wouldn't turn back on. So I had to. Mm. I like unplug all the cords, plug it back in, then instead of working again. So I figured, well, I might as well, because I've I've wanted to upgrade to the pro anyway. So this was like, well, that's, now it's a no-brainer. So I wanted to sell this thing to Amazon. I didn't want to sell it to a person. I'd feel too bad, but <laughs> corporations you know. are people too, Dom. Perfect timing. Perfect <clears throat> well, they'll timing. Refurb- they'll refurbish the it, and maybe they can get it working. Either way, I'm without a PS4 for a little bit, so I can't play. The next episode in this darn Batman series that I'm re- I was really looking forward to. So I'll have to play them all, or the two that are out, uh, when, I get my, when I get a PS4 again. So Nice. Hmm. Word. Um, for me, I'm, you know, this, this lively conversation that we've had is actually kind of enticing me to maybe turn on a console or two. <laughs> um, so hopefully I'll get around to that. I'll, I definitely think I'll be playing more Persona because I was getting that itch. Um, and then... Uh, right. Jordan... Jordan, you want to tell them about the bet with Persona and uh, the whole thing that happened? Oh, yeah. So, usually I would have a lot more hair. Uh, a lot. Very, very large curly hair. But um, 
I said that I was going to finish Persona 3 by episode 20 of our podcast, and uh, <laughs> that did not happen, so I had to... I've grown the beard back, but I had to shave my face and shave my head, so... Self-implemented. Uh, he made this bed himself. We did yeah. not tell him to do this yeah. bed. He said he made the bed for himself. <laughs> and, and you need like, those type of repercussions yeah. to get through Persona. I like exactly. it. Exactly. They they didn't even hold me to it. They were like, "Oh, we didn't think you were gonna shave your head." But <laughs> yeah, uh, man of my word, I guess. Oh. So um, oh, that's good. I will definitely finish Persona Five. You know what? I'll shave my butt if I don't finish <laughs> it. If I don't finish Persona 3 by the time Persona 5 comes out, I'll shave well, it. Oh, you got to keep that one to yourself. Yeah, I probably won't put that <laughs> yeah. one on video. That won't be on video, but you'll just have to imagine. We'll uh, take you for your word. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, besides that, uh, keep watching Psychopaths. Really digging them sci-fi vibes. And um, keep watching that Vikings, man. It is intense. Nice. I am oh, loving that show. So, yeah. Oh, another thing, which I'm pretty sure Bosman has probably already told Jones Huber, the new Pokemon Generations like anime shorts came out yes. uh, a couple of days oh, yeah. ago. Or actually, all like, of those. Yeah, two of them yeah, came really out. Yeah, they look good. It's really yeah, interesting. They look super good. There's a lot of rumors that the NX is going to have like some kind of a nostalgia Pokemon game, like a remake of like Red Ooh. and Blue or something. And that's why they're so heavy on this like Generations because it's it's the original story, you know, it's with Red. Yeah. Um so it's it's weird that they're they're putting this out now to let's see what happens, you know. Um hmm. so interested. A lot of stuff rides on NX's success. Uh, another cool thing before we close out the show real quick, there was um this is totally conjecture, totally rumor. There's a guy named uh Ando and he does videos on YouTube, right? He does Pokemon videos random Pokemon videos. Guy has like 2 million plus subs. He's huge. Gets millions upon millions of uh, views. He lives in Australia. He tweeted out today that, or a couple of days ago, that he's actually coming to the United States this coming week. And he put hashtag San Francisco, which is interesting because um, most of the Nintendo consoles have been announced on a Tuesday. So it's just a rumor. People are like, oh, does that mean that there's an announcement next week? Like, he and he didn't say like he was he was paying to come over for a vacation or anything. He's getting flown out, and he's done brand deals with Nintendo before. They've sent him Wii's and Wii U's to Australia, which cost millions of dollars because it's Australia. Those export <laughs> fees are crazy. So it's just an interesting little tidbit. I it's want about the time, NX, dude. Yeah, I want time. the NX to be announced as soon as possible. Um, yeah, so we're gonna be closing out the show, but before we do, let people know where they can find you, Huber. Uh, easyallies.com uh, we used to be game trailers uh, then we started a Patreon R.I.P. Um, yeah rip game trailers uh, we have a website easyallies.com and then we're on YouTube uh, as well and uh, if you like what you see go to the Patreon and uh, join up become an ally uh, we stream oh and Twitch too we stream like every single day of the week uh, all the time always different games uh, every Tuesday we get together and group up together and do a group stream uh it's super fun uh super humbling just all the the community is incredible uh so if you want just a nice safe jolly place to come hang out uh just join join a couple of our streams and uh just come hang out i can confirm that it is a jolly community and also shout out to huber syndrome check that show out that's a cool show on youtube exactly (laughs) thanks um also like you will find a like a better group of nine people to hear talk about video games um yeah so i wasn't funny thing huber i'm gonna tell you this now that you're on our show hopefully you come back um i never watched any game trailers at all i wasn't really into it's not that i wasn't into them i really didn't know about them 
when Brandon came we on... We didn't do a good enough job. <laughs> when when Brandon came onto the Game Over Greggy show and he talked about Easy Allies, I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. is interesting because re- everyone remembers Brandon's voice, right? It's just the voice yeah. you know. And oh, yeah. I went to your guys' YouTube and I saw you guys and I got into you guys. I actually remember seeing a... Um, what was Bosman's show called? Uh, Final, Bossman. Final Bossman. Final Bossman. Yeah, I I, yeah. I remember seeing that show back in the day, and then I saw you guys, and I wasn't really familiar with you or like Ian or anybody outside of Brandon and Bosman. And you guys are fantastic. I love the vibe you guys put off. Um, yes. I can't wait for you guys to hit 50k on Patreon. Just so you guys can. Ha- I want to see what you guys do with the studio space. I'm Seriously. super excited about that. So, yeah, definitely go check that out. Um, they're they're awesome people. So we really appreciate Huber coming on. Uh, Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. It's been a, been a blast. Uh, Dom, you want to uh, let people know about our giveaway that we're doing? Oh yes, of course. Uh, Controlled Interest is giving away fifteen count it fifteen PC games, including The Culling, <laughs> Road One, to Valhalla, two, and Speedrunners, just to name a couple of them. Speedrunners hype. Yeah, love that game. <laughs> All right, you can win it. All you have to do is follow <laughs> us on Twitter. And click the link in our pinned tweet. So follow us at C-T-R-L-I-N-T. Yeah. Um, it's an awesome giveaway. I, I think I added a couple more games that we got codes for that we'll never get a, uh, around to like Boy. reviewing or anything. So I don't want them to go It's a waste. mega pack. Yeah, it's a lot of games. Um, and it's just, I think the only two requirements are you just have to follow us and su- uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. And you're entered, which is really cool. Um yeah, so thanks for listening and watching this episode of Controlled Interest Gamecast. Like I said, we're, it was a pleasure to have Huber on. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have enough subs yet to get a, uh, a custom URL. Hopefully, we'll hit that yep. soon. Uh, yeah, so just search Controlled Interest. Uh, follow us on Twitter, like Dom said, at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interest abbreviated because we're so clever. Uh, to stay updated with all of our latest uploads and content, that kind of stuff, Dom also tweets out the latest video game news if you want to keep up to date with that. Uh, you can also follow us at our personal Twitters. I'm at Jared with an underscore at the end. Dom is at Dom's Oreos. Uh, Jordan is at Mellow Modus. Uh, follow Huber at Michael P. Huber at Twitter. Um, also, if you can please subscribe and rate us on iTunes, that definitely helps as well. Uh, if you're awesome enough to be already be doing all of that stuff, feel free to share our videos and podcasts. That helps. And, uh, yeah, thank you again, Huber, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Hopefully we'll have you back again. sometime in the future. And we'll see you guys Absolutely. next time. Bye.